Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engineering Student Experience Podcast. I'm Paul Nissenson from the Mechanical Engineering Department at Cal Poly Pomona. Well, we've hit a minor milestone. This is the 25th episode of the podcast. And while I realize that's a very small number of episodes compared to many podcasts out there, that's something I'm proud of. These 25 episodes represent hundreds of hours spent finding guests and coordinating interviews, recording episodes, editing those episodes, and putting those episodes on the podcast website. Now, whether you've been with me since episode one or this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, thanks for the support, and I hope you find the content useful and informative. And now on to today's episode. The next time you go outside, take a deep breath. If you're in an area with a lot of sources of air pollution, like factories and power plants and vehicles that have gasoline or diesel engines, and you didn't cough or didn't experience any kind of eye irritation, well, you have air quality regulatory agencies to thank for that. If you go online, and search for something like air pollution in the 1950s and 60s, you can find many images and videos from that era showing smokestacks and cars just dumping untreated exhaust directly into the atmosphere. My mom, who grew up in La Crescenta, which is just a little north of Los Angeles, used to tell me stories of growing up in the 1950s and 60s. And during the summer and early fall, when ozone and particulate matter in the area were at really high levels, it would literally hurt her to take deep breaths outdoors. But fortunately, during the last couple generations, there have been some dramatic improvements in air quality due to a combination of technological advancements and regulations by federal, state, and local air quality agencies. Joining me today to talk about what it's like to work at a local air quality agency is Simi Mehrabani who is a senior air quality engineer at the South Coast Air Quality Management District, which is usually called South Coast AQMD. This is a government agency responsible for the air quality for over 15 million people, including myself, who live in an area comprised of all of Orange County and parts of Los Angeles County, Riverside County, and San Bernardino County. Simi has a PhD in chemical engineering from the University of Southern California and has been working at the South Coast AQMD for five years, primarily focused on issues related to permitting. During the interview, we discuss the various divisions within the South Coast AQMD, how the South Coast AQMD and other local air quality agencies work with state and federal agencies to improve air quality. We also discuss the types of jobs available to engineers at the South Coast AQMD and how engineering students can gain a foothold in this field. The field of air pollution control is constantly evolving as we learn more and more about this complicated soup of chemicals and particles that make up the atmosphere, and engineers are critical to helping make the air that we all breathe safer. And before we get to the interview, I just want to quickly mention that if you live in the region covered by the South Coast AQMD, the agency has a new app that allows you to check the air quality in real time. I personally downloaded the app to my phone and it's got a pretty nice layout and it's pretty informative. And I'll put a link to the app in the show notes. All right, now let's get to that interview. I hope you enjoy it. 
All right. Well, I am here with Simi Marabani, who is a senior air quality engineer at the South Coast Air Quality Management District, or South Coast AQMD for short. And Simi, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy, busy day to uh, be on this podcast. Thank you. Hi. Uh, thank you, Paul. I'm very excited to be here, and thank you for having me. And I'm really excited to have this episode. I've been looking forward to it for a long time because my my background, my PhD research was doing computer modeling of atmospheric systems. So I kind of got an informal education in, uh, in um, uh, atmospheric chemistry. And, and I actually even briefly considered applying uh, at the AQMD when I was looking for jobs after, after graduate school, but uh, ended up at a pretty nice place. I'm pretty happy at, at Cal Poly Pomona. So whenever I get a chance to talk to someone who works at an air quality district or, or agency, I always love hearing what they have to say, and I always find it very interesting. Awesome. That, that's great. Thank you, Paul. So before, before we get into what is the South Coast AQMD and what you do uh, in your day-to-day -day activities, it'd be great if you could give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. So how did you become interested in engineering? I know you have a chemical engineering background. And you know, what was the path that you took to get where you're at today? Yeah, so uh, I guess from early on, I was uh, very interested in math. It was my favorite topic and later on physics. And my mom is a teacher and my dad is a mechanical engineer. So I guess they, uh, after they saw the passion and the interest, they just helped me to build a strong foundation in these uh, subjects. And uh, I was also exposed to, you know, my dad would sometimes work from home. And so I would see his uh, design drawings, which at a time were mostly by hand, uh, or design, uh, you know, calculations, and like his calculator was like my favorite thing. Uh, and so I would listen to him talking with his colleagues over the phone, discussing different, you know, engineering topics. And I was just fascinated. I was exposed to it. I really liked it. So by the time I was um, uh, last year of uh, high school, I knew engineering is uh, what I want to pursue. So uh, I got my chemical engineering, um, my bachelor um, in uh, chemical engineering uh, in Iran. And uh, actually, toward the end of uh, my bachelor's degree, I helped a PhD student with his uh, research projects. And I really liked it, the idea of um, being able to do my own research in a lab setting and like uh, not necessarily enjoyed the failures, but enjoyed uh, finally being able to do something that uh, no one else has done before. Um, so uh, I moved to the States uh, and then I applied for the PhD program at USC. And um, I started my PhD in chemical engineering in um, January 2010. Uh, and uh, I joined Professor Andrea Armani's uh, biophotonics research lab. In her lab, uh, we use these really cool optical devices, micro devices for detection purposes. And it was mostly um, biodetection, so it was in liquid phase. But me being passionate about the environment, I also tested uh, uh, the idea of testing uh, molecules in, um, in, in the air. And so as a proof of concept, I built a humidity sensor. Um, and uh, yeah, toward the end of my um, uh, graduation, I audited a course that was um, offered by the former Port of Los Angeles executive director, Dr. Geraldine Nats, um, discussing, you know, environmental regulatory compliance topics. And so got to know more about EPA, uh, California Air Resources Board, CARB, 
and South Coast Air Quality Management District. And uh, I looked more into uh, the agency. I found the mission very well in line with what I wanted to do and um, something that motivates me. And uh, I signed up for the job interest cards uh, on the website. And uh, luckily there were openings at the time. So I applied and um, in August of 2016, I uh, started as an, um, as an air quality engineer in the engineering and permitting division at South Coast AQMD. And uh, I was uh, in the refinery permitting team. So uh, I stayed there for about two and a half years. Uh, and then I applied for the, uh, for the senior air quality engineering position. So it's the first uh, level of supervisory type of role uh, in the engineering and permitting division, ENP. So that, that's where I'm currently at. I'm a senior air quality engineer. Uh, I moved to a different team. It's the coding uh, permitting team. And uh, yeah, that's a summary of how I got to uh, be here. Yeah, so, so you mentioned that you have spent a lot of time in the permitting process. So it'd be great if you could give the listener an idea of the various kinds of tasks that the South Coast AQMD is responsible for, besides just, uh, you know, making sure that uh, making sure that businesses and you know, like refineries, like you were saying, uh, uh, get the proper permits so they can emit uh, certain chemicals into the air. Yeah, so, uh, you know, South Coast AQMD is uh, a local agency that's responsible for improving air quality and controlling, you know, air quality in um, uh, Los Angeles, Orange County, Riverside County, and San Bernardino County. Uh, and the main goal and the mission of the agency is to protect the public health. So we focus mainly on stationary sources of emissions, and that could be large sources such as, you know, refineries or power plants, but also smaller uh, businesses such as a, a gas station or a, an auto body shop. Um, so um, South Coast AQMD develops um, and adopts a, a plan called an uh, air quality management plan, which is like a blueprint to bring the area into compliance with federal uh, EPA and uh, state cleaner standards. Uh, and so we adopt rules uh, to reduce emissions uh, and um, in the engineering and permitting division, we issue permits to make sure uh, facilities and sources of uh, air pollution uh, comply with the uh, rules that have been established. South Coast AQMD also sends out inspectors to inspect the different sources of emission, make sure they comply with the permit conditions and the applicable rules. Um, and also to test whether these rules are working, we have monitoring stations uh, to monitor the air quality. Uh, so obviously there are a lot of different divisions that are working uh, toward you know, uh, different goals uh, that I just mentioned, but uh, I work in the engineering and permitting division, so I, I'm just gonna go live in, into more details of what we do. So any uh, source of uh, air pollution or any, any um, equipment or process that controls air pollution needs to get a permit uh, from us. Uh, and so uh, what we do is uh, once we get a permit application uh, from a, a business or industry, uh, we then we look into different factors. We uh, look at how much emission uh, the, that source could, could be emitting. So like the potential uh, to emit for that um, uh, source uh, is calculated uh, in terms of the criteria air pollutants. And so uh, we look at uh, carbon monoxide, particulate matter, sulfur oxides, nitrogen oxides, lead, and uh, volatile organic compounds, or VOCs. 
uh, and uh, we we also uh, look into toxic air contaminants. Uh, and those I'm not going to name all of them because there are over 200 toxic air contaminants that we regulate. But anyone interested, they can look at our rule 1401 for the list of toxics. Um, so for for those, we also uh, look into the potential to emit for. Uh, uh, for them and we calculate, we estimate, um, and we then look at the health risk uh, from these uh, toxic air contaminants to the surrounding receptors. And then uh, we set limits on how much uh, pollution uh, from each of these uh, sources could be emitted. And that would be a, a condition that would uh, end up uh, being on the permit. So for example, it would be a throughput limit of how much, uh, for example, a chemical could be stored in a storage tank in a refinery or how many gallons of, a, of paint an auto body shop could spray in a single day. Uh, another thing that we do, we have a team uh, in the engineering and permitting division which looks at the best available control technology that is available. So they, they look around uh, in different air districts within the state, they look at other states, they look at other countries to see what other technologies are, are available uh, and are feasible to be used uh, to control emissions. And if certain um, conditions are triggered, then we would require uh, sources of pollution to install these uh, control technologies and comply with these requirements. Uh, another thing we do, uh, uh, which is uh, is to check or verify the design of control equipments. For example, if a thermal oxidizer is used to destruct volatile organic compounds to control them, we look at the retention or re residence time. So we, we uh, verify that to make sure if uh, it, it is adequate to make sure we have enough uh, destruction of the volatile organic compounds. Or we look at the air to cloth ratio for back houses. So we kind of verify the design uh, of the control equipment. We don't design the control equipment, but we would look into the, um, you know, to see if certain parameters are satisfied or not. Uh, and so then we look at the rule compliance. Uh, we identify rules that are applicable to that source of emission, and then uh, we determine whether that source can comply or not, or what conditions they need to meet to be able to satisfy the requirements of the rule, and then we would add those at, as conditions on their permit. And so then uh, once the permit is ready with the equipment description and with the permit conditions, then with the help of permit services team, we send out the permit to that, uh, to the facility. Wow. So that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> um, last time I checked, there was something like, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, something like 25,000, 30,000 different stationary sources in the South Coast AQMD. Does that sound about right? Yes, yeah, we are one of the largest, or we are the larger, uh, largest air district, uh, and we have almost half of the population of state of California within our jurisdiction. Uh, and uh, yeah, about 25,000 uh, sources uh, and uh, 65,000 permits. Wow. So if, um, just say I wanted to start a, a new auto shop or auto body business, so I'd have to go through that permitting process? Um, would I typically work with a company that has expertise to help develop that permit so that it would be in compliance with the South Coast AQMD? So uh, let's say for, um, of course, first of all, you know, that business or industry has to identify if they are creating or controlling any air pollution. Uh, so once they do that, we have a rule, Rule 219, that um, lists some processes and sources that 
could be exempt from permitting process, uh, which is based on the fact that those processes and sources are identified to be insignificant sources of pollution. Uh, but if that source is not listed in Rule 219, then uh, obviously they need to apply for a permit. Um, larger facilities, uh, such as refiners and power plants, they have dedicated teams. Um, they also can uh, you know, reach out to consultants uh, to help them out. Uh, but smaller facilities, we have uh, a lot of different uh, uh, options for them to help them out. Uh, we have a small business assistance office that they can reach out to. They can um, uh, go to our website, www.akmd.gov, and find uh, either, you know, uh, contact them through the website or call them, and they're going to help them out uh, on what forms they need to fill in, what, how much fee they need to pay, uh, or uh, if, uh, you know, if the facility wants to um, you know, go to our website and find out more about uh, what um, uh, type of industries and uh, we permit, then they can see that every, so within the engineer and permitting division, we have different teams that are focused on different industries. For example, refineries, power plants, um, my team, which is coding and printing teams. So uh, once they identify that, then they can see there are uh, specific phone numbers uh, that they can call in and engineers would be able to help them out and walk them through the process. But uh, what they need to do uh, in summary is that they need to fill in certain forms, uh, some general forms, and some are specific to the equipment that they have. Uh, and then uh, they also uh, pay the permit processing fee. And so once the engineer receives them, then uh, any additional information that's needed, you know, they, they will be in touch with the facility and gather the information. Uh, so it's, it's not going to be that we want the facility to create their own permit, we would be issuing the permit and we would be writing the permit for them. But there would be definitely information that we need to gather uh, to be able to write a, a permit for them. So what happens if a company uh, becomes out of compliance? Uh, what if they're emitting more than they should? What typically happens in those cases? And, and how do you even find out that they've been emitting more than, than they should? Um, so that would not be something that engineering and permitting division would be involved. That would be more of a compliance uh, division. But uh, I guess I can speak to that a little bit. We have um, uh, a team um, that is uh, looking at the annual emission reports. So that's one way uh, to identify whether the source has uh, been emitting more than what the permit condition sets. We also have inspectors that go out um, as part of the uh, you know, inspection efforts that compliance division has. And um, there are certain record keeping requirements that we always put on the permits. So if the records don't, uh, you know, are showing that their emissions more than what is on the permit, then uh, that would potentially be uh, uh, something that, you know, the inspectors would look into. So you mentioned that the South Coast AQMD is is our local air quality management district, and I think that there's something like 35 different air quality management districts, or sometimes they're called air pollution control districts, depending where you're at. And overseeing all of that, as you mentioned, was the uh, in our state the California Air Resources Board, and um, you know probably a lot of people in California maybe you know they don't think about they don't think about these different agencies that are responsible. Many have probably heard about the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, the federal agency that is responsible. Can you discuss a little bit about how those different agencies are, are different and how they interact with each other? 
Sure. Uh, so they all basically have the same goal, which is to control emissions uh, from stationary sources of air pollution because uh, California Air Resources Board and EPA, they set the standards, uh, emission standards for mobile sources such as cars and trucks. So uh, the air districts are responsible for stationary sources of emission for the most part. Um, they all obviously fall under, as you said, California um, or uh, California Air Resources Board and um, Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, but obviously each uh, district and each region is different in terms of you know the type of businesses that are conducted so the uh, type of air pollution there or different population geographical or meteorological characteristics and so air quality is different in uh, each uh, area and so they could be focusing more on a certain pollutant than the other uh, you know area uh, close to them so you know at the end they all work toward meeting the state and federal air quality standards that are established uh, now south coast aqmd uh, has been there even before uh, the federal cleaner act of 1970 uh, as we mentioned as you mentioned before we are you know uh we have a large number of permitted facilities we have uh, almost half of the population of the state of california and so we are usually at the forefront uh, of developing new regulations uh, to protect the public health uh, and at also advocating for cleaner technologies and just to give you an example, uh, in our jurisdiction, we have a lot of facilities that perform plating and anodizing type of operations. And so one of the toxic air contaminants that's emitted from these sources uh, is hexavalent chromium. Uh, so prior to um, 2011-2012, the only um, uh, you know known source of emission were tanks uh, or process tanks were that were either rectified or air sparge, uh, and so heated tanks were not known to be a source of uh, emission of hexavalent chromium or other toxic air contaminants. But as part of a joint effort uh, between monitoring uh, division and also source testing, uh, you know, uh, certain uh, heated tanks were tested and emission of toxic air contaminants were identified and so then uh, emission factors were established and so currently when we get a permit application for a process that involves heated tanks we use those emission factors and we estimate the emission from them and so if needed we set limits on the temperature concentration if needed we require the source to install a controlled uh, equipment and so basically all the efforts went into eventually, you know, protecting the public health. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's how EPA, uh, you know, Air Resources Board and individual uh, agencies uh, work together. One of the things that I always love about this field is that it's everything's, well, I shouldn't say everything's constantly changing, but it's a constantly evolving field. So I, I teach a class in air pollution control at Cal Poly Pomona. I also teach a lot of courses in fluid mechanics and thermodynamics. Though topics in those courses, many of them haven't changed in like 150 years. Uh, so if, if I was teaching a class in the 1970s, I would teach it in almost the exact, like a fluid mechanics class, almost the exact same way as I would teach it today. But so much has changed over the last generation or two in air quality that it's just this really dynamic field. And like you were talking about, we're learning about new emission sources all the time and yeah, does does do you find that uh, is that one of the things that draws you to that field? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just uh, very interesting that you know, as part of my uh, daily 
task, I sometimes have to look into processes that I've never known about. I, I know I don't know much about them. Um, so, you know, I I guess I can use my engineering education uh, to be able to do some research, maybe on the web, find some books and uh, learn about it. But ultimately, we might sometimes have to go out and do, you know, tests and source this thing, uh, things like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, field. So you mentioned how a lot of engineers uh, who work for the AQMD, they, they might work in the field, um, you know, checking out sources, making sure um, businesses are in compliance. But now imagine that I'm walking into the AQ, uh, South Coast AQMD headquarters, which is in Diamond Bar, is that right? Yes. So imagine I'm walking through it the buildings now, um, what would I be seeing? That is a very interesting question. I haven't been to the office uh, for a while because we are all teleworking because of COVID. But uh, so in, we have- <laughs> in, in 2019, what would I be seeing? Yeah, we have, uh, so as you enter the building, we have our, uh, of course, security guards uh, that are, uh, are on the right-hand side, we have our, um, cashier uh, section, but no one is there right now because obviously because of COVID, uh, we don't allow public to enter the building. Uh, but uh, before COVID, we had uh, applicants who can drop off the application permit application package and the check uh, and uh, pay the fees uh, right there. Um, and uh, yeah, to the left, we have our auditorium uh, where we used to uh, hold the uh, public meetings. Uh, we also have some conference rooms there. And we also have Blue Sky Cafe, which uh, is still open, uh, but just for you know uh, the staff uh, within AQMD. And yeah, so that that's uh, where where would I be seeing uh, engineers working in all of this? So uh, the building has five stories. So most of the engineering uh, teams are on the third floor, and only coding and uh, printing teams and plating team, which is my team, and uh, there are actually a few other um, um, senior engineers in this team. So we are all on the fifth floor. I know, uh, well, you're obviously have a background in chemical engineering. Um, what types of engineers would be working at the AQMD? Yeah, we have chemical engineers, mechanical engineers, civil environmental engineers um, in uh, almost every division, engineering permitting, obviously, planning and rule, technology advancement, monitoring, source testing, compliance division. We also have software hardware engineers that are in uh, information management division. You've um, talked about how you have to interact with certainly business owners who uh, want to get the appropriate permits um, so they can operate their business. Um, and you also mentioned how there's an, an auditorium within the South Coast uh, AQMD where they have public hearings. In what other ways do engineers interact with the public since this is obviously a government uh, agency? Yeah, so I, I, I guess uh, obviously different divisions uh, have different, uh, you know, needs or there are different ways that they would interact with the public. But in the ENP, Engineering Permit Division, as you mentioned, uh, the first thing is, you know, once we get um, the permit application, uh, we might have additional information that we need to ask. So we either call the applicant or send an email to them. Uh, and sometimes we... Um, 
before COVID, they would come to the district and we would have, you know, face-to-face -face meetings, but now we are moved into virtual. So we use a virtual platforms to meet with them. Um, and uh, also we have public notices. So sometimes when uh, certain requirements are triggered, for example, there is a source uh, that is within a thousand feet of a school, then uh, that facility needs to do a public notice before we can actually issue the permit. We obviously look at all the rules and regulations about, and we make sure that source complies with our rules and regulations, but we still send out, I mean, not us, uh, we prefer the public notice, but the facility would send out the public notice and we give 30 days for uh, for the public to be able to look at the um, uh, you know the evaluation report that we have prepared for that uh, permit look at the permit its conditions if they have any concerns or questions they can contact us so we have uh, we have all of these ways uh, to you know interact with the public but of course other divisions have their own um, ways of uh, being in touch with with the public yeah and there's so many um, you've mentioned a few of these various rules, uh, um, like rule of 1401, and I forgot all the rules already, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you also mentioned how there was, uh, they're, they're responsible. South coast AQMD is responsible for, um, creating an air quality management plan for the, for the district. Could you, uh, help explain the process by which new rules are created or how do they come up with these? management plans for the entire region. Uh, you, it's something on the order of like 10,000 square miles or something, I think that the district is. So how do they come up with that kind of the plans and all those rules? Yeah, so that's something that a different division, which is the planning and rule division does. Uh, so I haven't worked in, in that division, uh, so I can speak to the details. But, um, you know, I have been involved, at, usually when a rule is being adopted or amended, uh, usually uh, one or two engineers, at least from the engineering and uh, permitting division would also be invited to the meetings. And so uh, as part of that process, uh, uh, you know, I have seen that basically uh, notices will go out uh, that, you know, just a specific rule is being ad amended or adopted. So public stakeholders, can get involved, attend the meetings, uh, they can send written comments, they can call contact the staff in charge. Uh, it's a pretty open process. Um, but as far as uh, yeah, the AQMP or the air quality management plan, that one definitely uh, would be something that maybe someone from uh, the planning and rule division can explain better. Yeah, and, and if anyone's interested, all this stuff is available online. It's all publicly available information. And I'll, I'll try to find a link to the most recent uh, air quality management plan and put them in the show notes in case anyone out there is interested in reading. Oh God, how, how big is that document? It's, it's enormous, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be, it would be great, I guess, uh, to have the link there, but uh, you know, www.aqmd.gov, that's our uh, website. So uh, uh, you know, they can search uh, under the search bar and hopefully they would be able to find the AQMP. So you've been there, you've been working at the South Coast AQMD for about five years now. Yes. Um, what are some of the challenges or opportunities that you see going forward in your, your field of, of you know, air quality management? Yeah, so I mean, there are certainly some bigger picture challenges. Uh, for example, you know, our, uh, this area has suffered from uh, poor air quality 
for a very long time. But uh, over time, with uh, different measures, we have been able to uh, reduce the air pollution significantly. I mean, I haven't, I wasn't here at the time, but I hear a lot of people say that, well, before we wouldn't able to see the mountains. Now, most of the times we can see the mountains, uh, but also like number wise, uh, you know, about 25% uh, of the area's ozone forming uh, air pollution, which ozone is like one of the air, you know, criteria air pollutants. And uh, unfortunately, our this area is not in um, attainment status with the uh, EPA uh, standards. Uh, so for that, you know, we have, um, uh, from the 1950 levels uh, of ozone, uh, right now we have been able to cut it to less than a quarter of what was back in 1950s. But still, you know, we have a long way to go. But the problem is that, um, you know, 25% of uh, ozone comes from stationary sources of pollution, and 75% of it comes from mobile sources, trucks, cars, things like that. And so that's something that we don't have jurisdiction over. It would be California uh, Air Resources Board. And, um, but the good news is, the good thing is that there are cleaner technologies, uh, cleaner uh, vehicles that are out there. And so we have a technology advancement office that actually incentivizes uh, and provides incentives for, um, you know, businesses and industries to take advantage of these cleaner technologies. But something that, you know, a challenge that I see um, in, in the, within the engineering and permit division is that, you know, as you know, our role uh, is to evaluate permit application versus rules and limits uh, and make sure that, you know, the facilities comply. But these rules are being constantly amended, new rules are being adopted, and they are getting, you know, more and more complex, more requirements are added. And so we have, a, you know, we have to issue the permits within a certain period of time. So we have limited time. And so definitely the, the job is getting uh, more challenging. And so maybe, uh, I mean, we, we currently have teams within EMP that are uh, focused on streamlining the process and also possibly automating the process. For example, now for dry cleaning uh, or dry cleaners, um, uh, most of them, they can go online and, uh, you know, submit their information and be able to get their permits through the automated system. But doing that same thing for other industries, that's something that we are currently working on. Uh, but uh, I think that would be really cool to uh, one day be able to get your, for example, permit for an auto body shop uh, also uh, through our uh, website. Yeah, my, my parents grew up in the LA area during the 50s, 60s, 70s. And my mom used to tell me stories about how bad the air was like in the 60s they'd go out for PE or something and she literally like almost couldn't breathe the the air quality was so poor and you can find lots of videos out there um, like older videos of people would just be walking around the streets of LA dabbing their eyes because the ozone was just stinging them so badly um, right. and it, it's nowadays in Southern California it is I, I, I grew up here my whole life and I remember I was born in 1980 so I remember by then the air quality had been starting to get better. Like we were on the very much uh, on the, on the good trajectory at that point. But I still remember there'd be times where I think that we, we had PE canceled um, because the air quality was just too bad. Or you could see on the horizon, it would be very Brown. Right. Um, and it's gotten so much better since those days. But I think probably people don't have a, um, 
most of the people who went through that are probably not here anymore. <laughs> and so there, there's this uh, living memory that's gone about how bad things were. And um, I suppose if, if maybe if someone looks at the images that have come out of, uh, say, China or India, it gives you an idea of how bad the air quality uh, you know, could be yes. here. Right. If right. We don't have agencies like yours. Um, so you, you have a PhD in chemical engineering. How important are advanced degrees um, for working at the AQMD? How many, do you have lots of employees there who have bachelor's degrees in some engineering field? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there are uh, a lot of engineers with bachelor's degrees, but also some with, you know, master's and uh, PhD. Um, so, you know, I think as we all know, having a PhD or a master's degree doesn't necessarily mean that you know everything about every uh, every field. Uh, it just, I, I guess, in my opinion, it just shows that uh, you know if if you're given uh, you know some resources at some time, you would be able to learn a, you know a complicated topic relatively quickly. So uh, I think. Um, that's something that is important. Like we talked about it before, there would be sometimes equipment or processes that we have to permit that we don't have any prior knowledge of it. And so I think having an advanced degree could help you to be able to, you know, identify the right resources uh, to look into them and be able to understand the process faster. Another, I think, advantage of having an advanced degree is just uh, the fact that as, a, for example, like, you know, as part of a PhD, program you you will do you will be doing research and then you will be publishing the result of your research so uh, you also attend conferences to present the result of your work so you just have the opportunity to learn and also polish your for example you know uh, communication skills written or ver verbal communication skills or presentation skills I think also you know, as part of, for example, a PhD program, you probably get a chance to mentor other students, either as a teacher assistant or, um, you know, uh, you know, newer PhD students that come into the lab, you get to, you know, teach them, mentor them uh, on different things that we do in the lab and things like that. So you just get the opportunity to kind of oversee you know, other individuals' works. And so later, if you are interested to move up um, in your career and, you know, take on supervisory type of roles, you can use uh, those experiences um, to prepare you better for those type of uh, roles. And so, uh, in fact, um, at AQMD, one of the desirable qualifications for air quality engineers in the job postings for our agency is having an advanced degree. Another thing that I want to also add is, so when someone starts uh, as in the engineering permanent division, there are three levels. So air assistant air quality engineer, air quality engineer one, and air quality engineer two. So depending on where you start, uh, it takes a one year, you know, hopefully if you've performed well, it takes a year to move up to the next level. But if you have an advanced degree, that one year is cut in half. So it would be like six months that you can get promoted to the next level. So you know, and of course, uh, as I mentioned before, to move up to uh, take on, for example, senior quality engineer or supervisory type of roles. Uh, also, as part of the interview process, you can, you know, talk about the experiences that you've had mentoring uh, uh, other engineers. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can say that based on my own ex experience, having an advanced degree really helped me. But also, there are a lot of engineers that don't necessarily have an advanced degree, but they're doing a fantastic job. 
Now, during your your uh, getting your bachelor's degree and master's and PhD, I'm sure you had to use a or you had to learn a lot of math. Uh, and you said you love math earlier growing up. Yes. In your day to day job um, activities, do you actually have to use any kind of advanced math, or is it a lot of it is just uh, you know basic unit conversions and algebra or what kind of math do you use in your day-to-day work? Yeah, so most of it is, uh, you know, algebra uh, because, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, for every permit application that we get, we have to prepare an evaluation report. So we have to estimate the emissions uh, for that source, either criteria or toxic air contaminants. So for those, we usually use, you know, math to, as you said, like convert units and estimate emissions. But also we do health risk assessments. Uh, so sometimes we have to, mo- to do modeling, uh, air dispersion modeling. And so for those, we also have softwares uh, that we we can use. Uh, occasionally, it could be, you know, geometry or calculus, uh, but it would be mostly algebra. Well, uh, Simi, you've been very generous with your time today, and it's been really wonderful to talk to you. But before uh, I let you go, um, I just wanted to ask if a student is interested in working for an agency like the South Coast AQMD, and let's say they're in high school or college, how, how can they better prepare themselves to apply? for this particular job. Um, are there certain engineering classes or, or non-engineering classes you'd recommend that they take? And yeah, is there any kind of advice you could give to someone who might be interested in this field? Yeah, of course. Uh, so definitely math and physics, uh, I think would be uh, vital to have a strong foundation in math and physics. Uh, and just, uh, you know, the basic principles of mass balance, combustion, instrumentation, um, just being able to understand, okay, where the raw material, you know, comes in and goes into the process, you know, what happens to, to that and like, what could be the sources of air pollution. Uh, so if there are any courses that are offered on air quality topics, I think they should definitely take advantage of those. If possible, uh, you know, air dispersion modeling, that would be very helpful. But also, you know, soft skills and things that might not necessarily be taught in a class, but if they get the opportunity to be part of, for example, uh, a, a project uh, and lead a team or be part of just a team, be a team member, or, you know, if, if they get the opportunity to be part of a research lab and uh, do research there, just developing those soft skills, being able to manage their workload, meet deadlines, uh, be able to interact with their colleagues, um, and also, you know, writing and um, verbal skills. Uh, as I mentioned, we talked with the applicants almost on a daily basis, either it's email or phone calls. Uh, we write evaluation reports. So it's important to have, you know, good writing skills. It's very important to have atten- good attention to detail. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, if, they, if they could uh, take any projects or any courses to help them with these um, skills, that would be great. So how can someone uh, get a foothold in this field? Are there like internships they can apply for? Um, what would you recommend for someone who wants to work at some air quality agency? Yeah, definitely internships. We do have a paid internship opportunities that um, anyone interested can go online on our website and uh, sign up for notifications uh, and, you know, get notified and apply. 
Uh, I think internships are very important. I know uh, some of my colleagues, actually, that's how they got uh, to, you know, actually be hired at AQMD. They first did an internship. Uh, I also want to uh, say that uh, West Coast section of Air and Waste Management Association, AWMA, is also a great place uh, to just network and learn more about this field. Um, there are a lot of uh, Southwest AQMD employees that are part of the West Coast section, including myself. And, uh, you know, we, um, uh, we have lunchtime webinars, we have conferences, um, we have networking events, um, we, we have different activities actually for students. So uh, I also encourage uh, anyone interested to uh, check our website. Uh, and also, uh, you know, we, we are, uh, I mean, since 2015, uh, every year we have been hiring uh, both within the ENP engineering permit division, but also other divisions. And also, um, you know, I'm uh, I, I think in uh, next year, 2022, we are also going to uh, hire um, more engineers. So we have entry level positions, uh, not only for engineers, but also like inspectors, chemists, air quality specialists. So anyone interested, I highly encourage them to sign up for the, um, you know, the notifications at our website to be notified when the openings uh, are available and so they can um, uh, go online and apply for the positions. And I'll be sure to place um, some links to all these things in the show notes. That would be great. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. So th thank you so much for, for this wonderful conversation. I know that anyone out there who's listening will have a much better idea um, of what your agency does. And uh, just in general, thanks for helping uh, make this air that I'm breathing right now <sighs> much easier to breathe. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a nice day. Thanks again to Simi for sharing her experiences about working at the South Coast AQMD. I was really excited about today's episode because it involves a field that few engineering students think about, but which is vitally important to everybody's health. Well, before I sign off, I'd like to mention that if you're enjoying this podcast, there are a few ways that you can support it. You can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. You can rate the podcast and leave comments on whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. And finally, you can help spread the word about the podcast by telling your friends and family or anyone else you think might be interested in this podcast. If you have any comments about this episode, feel free to email me at tesepodcast at gmail.com, and I'll place the email address in the show notes. I'll personally read each email and try my best to respond to them all. I'll take care, everyone, and goodbye for now.